Hello, T-West family and friends. Thank you for tuning in to the T-West podcast, where we take time to refocus, refresh, and reflect on God's word and practical ways to apply it to our lives. This week's devotion, we will be listening to a portion of a sermon by Pastor Wesley Knight entitled, It's All Just a Setup. Hope you're blessed. our attention to this this text in Acts chapter 16 Acts chapter 16 as I leave you tonight our final message I want to take us there because I believe that God has a great word for us in Acts chapter 16 and I'm going to read in your hearing from verses 25 down through about 34 And you probably know what I'm going to ask you to do if you would one more time. Would you stand to your feet with me for the reading of God's Word in Acts chapter 16, 25 through 34. And if you're ready, shout yes. This is what the Bible says. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the prisoners were listening to them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, do not harm yourself for we are all here. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all who were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night and he the same jailer washed their wounds and he was baptized at once he and his entire family then he brought them up into his house and set food before them and he rejoiced along with his entire household that he had believed in God I want to point your attention back to verse 25 for our sermonic spotlight tonight About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying. I want to preach from this subject, it's all just a setup. It's all just a setup. Father, have your way in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Doctors Henry Blackaby and Claude King in their simply profound book called Experiencing God share many very powerful 
principles that help the believer in their walk with Jesus. One of those principles I'd like to lift for your consciousness tonight is this. And it's so simple that if you're not careful, you'll miss the profundity of this statement. That we are not called to work for God. We are called to work with God. Now the power of that statement is that there is a distinct difference between working for God and working with God. When you work for God, you can oftentimes enter into a place of religious busyness, doing a lot but not accomplishing a lot. But when you work with God, God is able to infuse you with power and strength that you do not have naturally in and of your own self. When you work for God, you might even enter into the realm of presumption, thinking that because you are intelligent or you're a third generation Adventist, you know what ministries the church needs. But if you are working with God, then you walk in step with what God is doing in the now. I would submit to you that people who work for God are dangerous. I'll prove it in a minute, but, but, but people who work for God are dangerous because they are those who are the super religious. Have you ever met them? The, the, the holier than thou's. Those who believe that they have been, in a real sense, deputized to keep the church's standards as if they were the ones who know what the church needs. Um, they are the super religious, and, and religious people without the Spirit of God are dangerous. They, they look down their nose of sanctimonious snobbery and feel themselves a little bit better because of certain last names or certain churches that they go to. These people who work for God enter into the realm of presumption as if God asked them to defend his honor. I am in the Bible because Saul was one who was working for God. When you first meet Saul, he is working for God. He is not a heathen. He is not a pagan. In fact, he is a Pharisee. He's a Hebrew of Hebrews. And he is zealous for God. He is totally sold out for Judaism. He, he, is, he is defending the honor of the temple because he is working for God. And when we meet him on that road down to Damascus, I want you to understand that he believes he's right even though he's dead wrong. And sometimes you can feel you're so right, you can be wrong. He's working for God. But on his way down, Jesus knocks him off his high horse, takes away his sight, and says, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Because if you mess with my church, you're messing with me. See, when the enemy comes against you, Jesus takes it personal. 
says, why are you, why are you, you think you're doing what's right, but you've you got to stop working for me and you've got to work with me. And what I've come to find out is when you work for God, doors that should be open to you are often closed because you walk up to them with your own power and strength. But is there anybody here that knows that when you work with God, the same doors that were previously closed now open not because of you, but because of who you're with? See, we're called to work with God. We're simply called to join what he's already doing. And in doing that, our evangelism will be easier. In doing that, our ministry will be more fruitful. In doing that, our churches will grow in the power and might of the Lord because we are joining in with what God is already doing. And is there anybody here that knows if we join God in what he's doing, then our ministry will be successful. He, he arrests Paul, and, and he says, now, uh, you're going to stop working for me, and you're going to start working with me. And by the time we get to Acts chapter 16, Paul is working with God. He is in step with God. He has been preaching the gospel in various places uh, because he believes that everybody ought to know who Jesus is. Do we still believe that everybody ought to know who Jesus is? That is the motivation for why we worship. It's the motivation for why we come to church. It's not just to be with each other. It's to be equipped so we can go out and tell everybody who Jesus is. He's so sold out for this mission now that the Lord has turned his life around. But I want you to see what happens. He, 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 he realizes that there's some places down in Asia Minor, in, in, down in Bithynia and other places that, that, that don't know about Jesus. And so he comes up with a very good idea because he believes that everybody ought to know who Jesus is. So uh, the Bible says that, that he wants uh, to go down into Bithynia in verse 7 of Acts 16. You'll see this. But the spirit of Jesus did not allow him. And then he said, well, okay, if I can't go to Bithynia, uh, maybe I'll go down uh, to this certain part of Asia. But the Bible says that he was forbidden by the Holy Spirit. I want you to think about this. He, got a, he has a good idea to go down to these places who have not heard of the risen Lord and to tell them about Jesus. But your Bible says something that should have arrested your attention. That when he has a good evangelistic plan to go to a dark county, a dark place where they have not seen the light of the gospel of Jesus, the devil does not block him, the Holy Spirit does. Now, why would the Holy Spirit block the preaching of the gospel? Why would Jesus stand in his own way? Wasn't it a good idea for the people in Asia, for the people in Bithynia, to learn about the risen Lord? Why would the Holy Spirit stop Paul from preaching the gospel? I'm glad you asked. You see, it was a good idea, but it was not a God idea. 
Sometimes a good idea can get in the way of a God idea. Oh, preach Holy Spirit. Sometimes your great idea that you have for the kingdom of God might be a good idea, but it might not be a God idea. For you see, believers don't move forward on good ideas. Believers move forward on God ideas. Okay, let me come a little bit closer. Um, Sometimes a good woman can get in the way of a godly woman. Yeah, 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 my brothers. My sisters, sometimes a good man can get in the way of a godly man. Sometimes a good job can get in the way of a godly assignment because you spend so much time making that money that you don't have time for God's ministry. See, sometimes good things, not wrong things, not sinful things, not bad things, but sometimes good things can stand in the way. And Paul had a great idea to go down there and take the gospel, but because, watch this, he's no longer working for God, now he's working with God, he has to go on God's errands and go where God sends him. So he stays back and prays a little bit longer. Uh, because we're talking about looking up he he stopped he stopped in his tracks uh, by the holy spirit because watch this god not only orders your steps he orders your stops mm. the god doesn't just only tell you where to go and how to go but he also tells you when to stand still and he stays where he is and he prays a little while longer. Now the story gets real interesting because if you read it, I didn't have time to read it for you, but read it when you go home. Bible says that he's praying, he receives a vision from God and it's this man who's in this place that he's never been to. He identifies himself, not by name, but by region. He says, come over to Macedonia. Come over to Macedonia and help us. And so it is there where Paul gets the idea, not his idea, but the God idea, to go where he never thought God would take him, to go to a place he never would have thought of going to because God revealed it as he was praying. Because when you serve God, here's the first thing I want you to get tonight, if you are working with God, he will take you on a divine detour. He will take you to places that you never thought you would go. And the truth of the matter is, and I know I've got some witnesses here, how many of you know that when God directs your path, it's never a straight path? And sometimes it can be frustrating, right? Because God will take you around the bend and he'll take you up the mountain. He, he seems to want to take you the long scenic route. He has to take you on a divine detour because he is developing you while you're on the detour. And the reason why he doesn't take you directly to where he showed you is because sometimes he's got to develop you so that when you get there, that, uh, let me say it this way, he will not place you where your character can't keep you. 
he had to develop Paul a little bit. So he took him on a divine detour. Paul, you're not ready for Bithynia. Paul, you're not going to Asia Minor. I'm going to reroute you on a divine detour. I don't only order your steps. I ordered your stops. Don't go there. I need you over here because I'm God and I know what's best. So they go down into this place, into this uh, region of Macedonia. Now it is interesting and it is insightful that you should know that in the region of Macedonia is this city called Philippi. Uh, that should ring a bell because there's a book in the Bible, letter in the Bible called Philippians. And so they get down to Philippi and Paul and Silas are doing their ministry there. Now watch this, Philippi is the central city in the region of Macedonia, which means that where they are, they are in the center of God's will. They are exactly where God wants them to be. And right there in Philippi on this divine detour, the Bible says as they are on their way to the place of prayer, this little girl who is possessed by a devil, possessed by a demon, is walking behind them. Now, this might mean, not mean much to you unless you understand what's happening here. See, Paul and Silas were trying to do their ministry on the low. They were trying to be discreet. They did not want to bring attention because they were in a Roman colony and they could not be talking about the risen Lord and Savior uh, in this place. And so they were going from house to house and meeting in secret places of prayer. And so they did not want to, uh, to get arrested or to get in trouble so that they were trying to do their ministry discreetly. Here comes this girl possessed by the enemy and she says, hey everybody, these men are telling you about the most high God. She's disrupting their whole ministry strategy. She, she is sent by the enemy because watch this, when you are on a divine detour working with God, he'll not only put you on a divine detour, here's the second thing, he will allow demonic detractors. He will allow people who have the wrong spirit to come into your life. You know why? Here it is. You might not say amen on this, but it's the truth. Because your enemies are part of God's plan for you. Because those demonic detractors whom the enemy uses is part of what God uses to push you into your purpose. Uh, uh. You see, if it were not for them, you would not be developed into what God is calling you to do and you might not be in the center of your assignment. Let me say it this way. Jesus needed Judas. He needed Judas, he needed somebody close to him to betray him because in the betrayal, he was pushed even further towards the cross. Oh God. And, and, and I know that you've been praying for God to get rid of your Judas. And I know you've been asking God, please deliver me from this Judas. God, Judas keeps showing up at my church and sitting on my pew. And every now and again, the pastor might ask me to greet the person next to me, and Judas ends up next to me. 
God deliver me from this Judas but do you not understand your Judas is there to push you into your purpose if there had not been any Judas then perhaps uh, there would have been a delay with him getting to the cross it had to be somebody close to him it had to be somebody who knew him and perhaps we ought to shift our prayers from God get rid of my enemies to God use my enemies to push me into my purpose let, let me let me illustrate this way um, back in the day on the northeast coast um, they, they tried to ship they would ship codfish they would ship codfish to different parts of the country and um, they discovered that when they would ship the codfish oftentimes by the time they put it in the crates and they put it in those in those tanks when the codfish got there it was it was soggy and it and it, and it wasn't the best codfish and so they devised this plan uh, for, for what they would do to make sure that when the codfish got there it was fresh and ready to eat they put the codfish's arch enemy in the tank with it catfish catfish hate codfish and so what they would do in order to get the codfish there is put the catfish in the tank and the whole time that the codfish was being shipped the catfish would be chasing it around the tank because it was moving and not sterile because it was moving and not static because it was swimming using all of its activity the activity allowed so that when the codfish got there it was fresh and ready to be consumed don't you know that God I put some catfish in your tank it's called church it's it's called church that's, that, that's why there's all kinds of people at your church. I know, I know, I know God tells you that you want to love them, but let's just be real. There's some people at your church that are easy to love. And there's some other people in your church that are not easy to love. But God put the catfish in the tank with you because it makes you pray more. It makes you exercise patience more because he's developing you. You're being chased. And as you're being chased, you're learning to depend on God. Maybe we ought to shift our prayers. God, don't get rid of my enemies, but use my enemies so, so that I can do your will. See, David said this way in the 23rd Psalm. Y'all know the 23rd Psalm. That he prepares the table before me in the absence wait, wait a minute in the presence in the presence of my enemies I thought it would make more sense for him to get rid of my enemies so I can enjoy my meal no 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 he said no 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 I'm gonna set the table prepare the table before you in the presence of your enemies why because your enemies need to see what I can provide for you in a desert place mm, I'll enjoy that all by myself Thank you again for tuning in to the T-West podcast, where we take time to refocus, refresh, and reflect. Before you go, let's meditate on this song, The Battle Is Not Yours, by Yolanda Adams. Let us pray. Dear Lord, you see and know all the things that are going on around the world. Please continue to see us through these hard times. 
Some of us are filled with fear, but we ask you to give us a sense of peace. We ask you to continue to walk beside us, continue to guide us, and help us to hold on to you and be strong through all of our trials and tribulations. Lord, continue to show us your way. Thank you, Father, in advance. the love. 